Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. Oh, dang. So many things. <laughs> My man. Hi. Welcome back to Minnesota. Oh, I fucking made it. After a lovely weekend in the desert. Did you? Fucking made it. Yeah. I have an important question. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you make contact, bud? Did you did you do the thing they promised you? Um You contacted for, something or yeah, someone. Yeah. I had some of the, the legitimately strangest experiences of my life. Were, so were, I don't think I saw any aliens, but I'm I was also gonna not say totally how many sure. of them were paranormal? Uh probably zero. But you had some weird ones. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, you all should be too, because I've gotten just <laughs> just a few. Spencer and I texted throughout his weekend in the desert, so I know five percent of what happened. Mm-hmm. And the five percent high notes are some pretty fucking high notes, bud. Oh well, I saved saved some of the best stuff for this. I'm so, so glad. Um, would you like to go in chronological order? I think chronological makes the most sense because I, okay, so for, hi, it's the What If Podcast. We're the Sweary Boys. Uh, welcome back, everybody. For those, if this is your first episode, that would be weird, but uh, <laughs> Spencer went to contact in the desert last weekend with official What If correspondent, uh, Andrew Poitras, and they contacted the contact we had ourselves a time in the desert and had themselves a time um and today we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about it on this show we're going to talk about it on the patreon and we might have enough to talk about on another episode we'll see what happens see how it goes um so that's what we're that's what we're doing today i think if we go chronological it makes the most sense because i'm going to have a lot of questions and i feel like if i ask the questions as they happen chronologically it will affect how i ask other things how my notes are laid out so let's start with that Oh, buddy! Um, time out. <laughs> I haven't started, but go I ahead. know. But you were about to, and I had to cut you off. I feel like this would be a pretty good week for me to have the soundboard because you're going to be in your notes and well, you're going to be telling stories. Okay, here's the thing, though. There are a couple new ones. Ooh. So I might have to make a couple requests, and I have pieces of interviews queued up on here. Oh. But if you're willing to deal with that, I'll deal with that. If you're willing to instruct me on how to deal with that, okay. Tight. Um, also, the the couple new ones I have, I don't think are good enough to be long term ads. Unfortunately, just in the audio quality. Yes, um, but they are from the event itself. I take it. Yeah. So mm. like, you're not my friend. <laughs> that is. I might need to turn that up a little bit it's so a, so y'all can properly hear it. Um, but that is Giorgio Seleucolos. Aliens. The aliens meme guy. Um, saying, You're not my friend. You're a fucking moron. You're, you're not, not my friend. You're a fucking moron. Correct. The context of that was someone, um, he, he was doing a Q&A. <laughs> Bro, please tell me he called someone in the audience a fucking moron. Not directly. Yep. Someone asked a question about, Sounds uh, close enough to me. UFOs and aliens being demonic. And the full quote was, if you think UFOs are demonic, you're not my friend. You're a fucking moron. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, so he was, I would say, deeply insinuating this person was a fucking moron. Yes, if that were, or saying you and anyone who thinks like you. <laughs> yes, sure. Um, I also got. I was recording this just for uh, my own reference to like not have to scribble down notes the whole time. Yes. So the audio is not ideal, but some opinions are so whack. whack. I wish both of those were a usable quality of audio, but unfortunately they're not. That may be the only time they get used. Yep. Um, All right. One other one that I'm just going to play now because it's fantastic, but the audio quality also sucks. Yes. Uh, This is Daryl Sims. The Alien Hunter. Okay. Phenomenal name. Describing a photograph that he's showing us. Yes. In which he believes a LA traffic camera has captured a an alien sitting in the back seat of someone's car. Awesome. Mm-hmm. One of my abductees said to me this. He said, Mr. Sims, he said, uh, I don't want to tell you. I said, just tell me. Be blunt. 
He said, well, my, my buddy, who's an abductee too, took my car without permission, ran the red light, and they got this big fight. And I said, so? He said, there's an alien sitting in the back seat. Thank you, L.A. County. You just made my day. Shut the fuck up. They took pictures. They didn't try to collect the money. They missed that's the only reason I really wanted to play that. Because that's poetrous? I, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening back through. They'd be Woo! like, I wonder if any of this is audible or is usable. And I was like, ah, fuck, it's not really. And then I got to that point of him just going, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this was phenomenal. Towards the end of day three when uh, we had had enough with most of the speakers. But was Poitras, uh was Poitras saying that like in your direction or was it just he was having this as a personal revelation that was like, purely to himself and just happened to be picked up on the <laughs> microphone sitting in between the two of us oh, fuck that's funny <laughs> alright um, you can so, take the soundboard now so what you mean is I gotta find a, just, a long enough cable but you can have that he didn't really feel like the uh, the probability the authenticity if you will of an alien or excuse me a UFO? How is it a UFO if it's sitting no, in the no, back no. seat? He said it was an alien. It was an alien. In the back seat of this person's car. And like the person ran a red light. And so it was an automated red light camera thing. And um, there was like, honestly, I think it was something hanging from the uh, rear view mirror. And this dude. Those cameras. You pick- can plug in this cable because I'm now just like poking around at your crotch. Those cameras. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Those cameras pick up one thing and one thing only, and that's your license plate. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on that, the the blue, hopefully hopefully one is obviously blue to you. Yeah? No? Yep, that's definitely blue. Okay, cool. That is nothing other than blue. Perfect. There is one that says Travis Walton and one that says Preston Dennett. I'll need you to hit those at some point. Why don't I have my preview names up in oh, the corner here? Um, Help me, Rhonda. That, I'm dying. Did that do it? Yep. Okay, perfect. Okay, I can hit those when you need to. Otherwise, as you chronologically take us through your desert perfect. experience, I will be reacting using the soundboard. Okay, excellent. Um, okay, so we I flew into L.A. on Friday. I met Andrew at his house. Uh, he handed me a jar of weed and a liter of whiskey, and we drove to the desert. As you do in California. So we got in about, uh, I don't know, maybe like around noon on Friday. Yes. And we just walked into the first room that we saw where something was going on. Bold move at an event (laughs) like this, man. You don't know what you're going to get. Well, that is a dice roll. First, we checked in at uh, registration and got our our press passes. What time was this, generally speaking? Noon-ish. Okay. Uh, hey, morning, boys. This is Bear. <laughs> shout out to Bonnie, the PR director for Contact in the Desert. She hooked us up multiple times throughout the weekend. Hell yeah. What up, Bonnie? Thank you. So then we, uh, yeah, we just walked into like whatever was happening in the big, big room at the time. They were six, seven different rooms where things were happening throughout the days. Oh, shit. And what, where were all of these rooms contained in again? This is uh, Indian Wells Resort in Indian Wells, California. This event? Significantly larger than I was expecting. So that was actually going to be my next question was, when you say walked into the big room, define big. 2000-ish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I If I had to guess, I would say there were probably th- between three and 5,000 people at this thing. Yeah, that boy big. Correct. Okay. Um, That's fucking way bigger than I thought it was going to be. I was thinking like 500 maybe. Most of the headliners had like 1,000 to 1,500 people in their speeches, their presentations. Damn. But there were always at least three other things going on at the same time. And can you ballpark what those other few things were? I mean, I guess. It varied a lot depending on who it was. Sure, because some Um, people were probably breaking at that time and going back to their rooms or doing whatever they wanted. But most of those, when I was in them, when I was in the smaller ones, it's at least a couple hundred for most of them. Wow. Okay. Some of them bigger, but there were there were at least two, at least two presentation areas that could seat like two thousand people, two separate ones. Dear contact in the desert, we don't need to headline. We could. We don't need to. Just give us a small room hang. Yeah. Small room hang. Absolutely. They do live podcasts. Just saying. Wow. Well, but we do live podcasts. Yeah. Exactly. We've done many. I know. 
Um, so the first thing we happened to walk into was our good friend, Linda Malton Howe. Hell yeah. <laughs> and we were slightly <laughs> late. So we're going to jump in where I jumped in. Let's be honest. If it was Linda Malton Howe. It wasn't going to make sense even if we started you, at the top. You it's gonna, okay. Yeah, you were going to get... You were going to start at like, uh, oh, I see how we got here. <laughs> so the very first thing I hear the entire weekend is Linda Moulton Howe saying Antarctica is cold because the aliens did it in order to keep part of the earth hidden from us. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, makes a lot of sense, right? If you wanted, if you wanted to go, we want to be here, but we want to make it so hard for people to know that we are here. We're going to make it real cold down here. So they don't, they don't do it. And we can bury stuff under the ice and they won't be able to see it. Right, 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 right. So I'm in a lot of these, I was just frantically scribbling stuff down. Not able to always connect the dots if there were dots to be connected, which often there weren't. Yep. So I'm going to go through my notes for the most part here as I wrote them. Sure. And, these, and they may or may not make sense. And these quotes are paraphrases of kind of what was happening. Yeah. Some are direct. Some are me trying to paraphrase things. Sure. Um, she keeps talking a lot about Spartan 1 and Spartan 2. I'm not exactly sure who or what those people or things are. I've but never heard of that before. I hadn't either. I, I think it may have been some, like, quote-unquote insider who was telling her about these things. It may have been her source. Oh, but I'm okay. Not, I'm not sure. That's an idea. Uh, there are structures under the Antarctic ice, and they have the same hieroglyphics as the structures on the moon and that's Mars. An, that's, an, that's an idea. <laughs> You're going to wear that thing out. I'm going to wear that motherfucker <laughs> out this episode. There is a huge alien base under Antarctica, and in there they are manipulating DNA. Cool. And they made the apes stand up and become humans. Oh. Mm-hmm. Re- sorry, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of went off on this on the Patreon last week, so I won't go off on it too hard. Cutting uh, the cats in half? Today? No. no. Uh uh, for those that aren't on the Patreon, I just kind of went down the road of it's really hard for me to hear people say things that are so terrifically unsubstantiated in this. But she has a source named Spartan 1 and or Spartan 2. Who says this is what's happening. Uh, yeah. Of course, no okay. one has ever met this person and she doesn't have, you know, any like recordings of them saying this or proof of who they are. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Lots of anom- anonymous sources. Um, I know a thing. She told us that there are geopolitical conflicts between multiple non-human races going back at least 270 million years. Okay, so this this shit is for sure what she was talking about at uh, when we were at Rocky Mountain High. Okay. Whatever. Contact in the mountains. Contact in the mountains. No. My Mile mystery, mystery club. There it was. Um because because that was that was where she, cuz she did this incredible 30 minutes on cattle mutilations. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking out of there and like like lighting up a cigarette and being borderline angry because the 30 minutes on cattle mutilations was fascinating. And then the last 20 minutes was like, and 270 million years ago, the non-human races split into it. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I want, I wanted to play that pointers. What the fuck at the beginning? Because (laughs) we shared so many of those moments throughout the weekend. Like I literally threw my notebook in the air at one point, at one point, and just looked around the room to see if anyone else was reacting at all to is what was happening. It, is anyone trying to walk out right now? Not during this one because I was too entertained and it was too early in the weekend. Um, okay, January 2015. This is the order she's saying all these things in too. So if you're having a hard time tracking, it's because everyone was having a hard time tracking. Got it. January 2015. A retired Navy officer named Brian told her about UFOs on Antarctica near the Beardmore Glacier. Yeah, bro! Go ahead, Brian. Talk Um, to him. Through Brian, I think, she learned that ETs have been on Earth for 500 million years. Oh. And they started messing with humans 2 million years ago, which is when I learned that humans have been around for 2 million years, apparently. Got it. Uh, The Beardmore Glacier belongs to the aliens, so humans can't go there, and the aliens kind of hang out around there. They don't really come fuck with the humans too much. The Beardmore Glacier? Yep. Is this a real glacier? I don't know. I haven't Googled it. Or is this Brian's Glacier? Couldn't tell you. Uh, She then plays a very long, like 10-minute-plus recording of a phone call with Brian. That's the worst name I ever heard. (laughs) Um, In which Brian saw a lot of things that were, quote, off-limits. 
very spooky. And we learned that the U.S. National Science Foundation is meeting and collaborating with aliens in Antarctica. I know Brian is a real person with real security clearances because the security clearance he referenced with regarding the footage he was seeing was, quote, off limits. Uh-huh. Yep. That's how they do things there. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, hey, hey. It's off limits, buddy. <laughs> Get out of that room. <laughs> hey, put that folder down. That's off limits. <laughs> uh, people have disappeared in Antarctica. Therefore, there must be aliens. She then very quickly glossed over this statement about having video of a pyramid on Antarctica. We've, I've got this video that none of you probably want to see, so we'll keep it moving. so many times when someone surrounded by video screens told me about a photo or video that they had in their possession without showing it to me. And kept it moving. Uh-huh. Um, hey, guys, we got... We, um, I have a photo of Spencer getting kissed on the cheek by a Bigfoot. Can't see it, though. Nope. Um, some scientists fell in a hole. There was some implication that it was like an alien hole, but I couldn't ever quite piece it together. Gross. <laughs> yes. Something called Atlantis TV is in a battle with the feds about footage of either the pyramid or the hole or both. I couldn't quite figure that one out. Oh, my God. My head kind of hurts already. <laughs> There what? are there are the feds. Yep, there are the federal government. All right. Yes, correct. About either the whole or I the love pyramids. It. You're like, or, bro. I have so much to go here. Yeah, no, like, we can't. Fucking, you can't be asking this many questions. You man. can't dwell. We're halfway down page one, <laughs> and I have nine pages of this. You shit. can't dwell. Um. Okay, there are pyramids two miles below the South Pole, underneath the ice, that the government ha- knows about and has intentionally covered up. One of the pyramids is at least thirty-three million years old. And there are six of them, um, and they cover an area of 62 acres. Uh, She said no pyramids that we have built could support the weight of two miles of ice on top of them, to which there was a lot of like, oh, from the crowd. Um, So therefore, aliens aliens must have built them. And then this is a direct quote, and I can't figure out what it means, but she said, people have been there, and it's 68 degrees. That's been confirmed, end quote. Hell no. <laughs> so people have been to the pyramids. In Antarctica. Two miles below the surface of Antarctica. And that whole distance is ice, apparently. That two miles of ice. They've been to these pyramids two miles down. And down there, it's 68 degrees. And that's been confirmed. Yes. Hell now, no. <laughs> mind you, no evidence is being provided for any of these things. The only thing that come, came up on the screen the entire time was a picture of some guys in front of an airplane that we were told was, one of them was Brian. And then a photo of like her and of this Brian dude while she was playing the, the phone conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The pyramids have anti-gravity ceilings. That's the 33 million year old, two miles under the South Pole pyramids. They have anti-gravity ceilings. Don't know. That's um, why they're so strong. I think That's so. That's why they're able yeah. to uh, uh-huh. keep two miles of ice afloat. But then the men in black told Brian not to talk about the scientists who fell in the hole. But don't worry. We have allies, alien allies, who have protected us from the hostile aliens for the last several centuries. End speech, standing ovation. Did she actually get a standing ovation? Mm-hmm. No way. Because allies, bro. Fucking hang loose. We got allies. She for sure got a standing yeah. ovation. Dude, Giorgio came out to one. Sick. Yeah. And to the 2001 theme. <laughs> also sick. And a sick strobe-lit light show. I just don't know how after you can hear that much unsubstantiated garbage you can just get on your feet and be like at least somebody's doing the lord's work out here good gosh <laughs> thank you so, like like come come on come I on know, i don't know man uh we then so that was over and we we dipped into Richard. look i know we get into some unsubstantiated shit on this show Ryan, we're still on page one come on bud but it's <laughs> all in fun and we tell you it's in quotes we don't just vomit like an hour's worth of lies at you and be like this shit is confirmed you fucking assholes 
Brian, we fucking know. Brian Spartacus. Brian says told me. <laughs> so shut up. Clap for me, please. Clap for me on your feet. Uh, on your feet. <laughs> so we we dipped into Richard Dolan's speech. Hell yeah. Um, he was talking about AI, but about 15 minutes into it, we got a text from from Bonnie asking if we wanted to talk to Travis Walton. So we ran the fuck out of Richard Dolan's presentation. I'm I'm both glad you got to talk to Travis Walton. I'm bummed you had to miss Dolan because he's like great. one of the people I would have been most psyched to hear about kind of what he had to say because yeah. I really like his style. Yeah. And the part we caught was mostly just a summary of where AI currently is. And then he was going to go into some other things after that, I'm assuming. Yeah. But we didn't get that part. So we just got kind of the boring setup. So I, for what it's worth, I know we posted both the Preston Denna and the Travis Walton interviews to the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash what if podcast, by the way. Uh, if you want to get an extra episode every week, plus 70 back episodes and these interviews and all the extra content from contact in the desert. Yes. The, I didn't actually listen because I wanted to talk to you about it first. Cool. The Patreon versions are the unedited full interviews with them. Yeah. I cut these down a little bit for time's sake. We spent yep. about 10 or 15 minutes with each of them. Nice. So we talked to Travis about new developments in terms of evidence around his 1975 abduction, ah. which is what he was presenting on this weekend. Ah. So if you, are you on the blue page? I am, I got hit, him. You want to hit that Travis Walton button? I would love nothing more. He's giving us an update on new evidence. Dope. Well, uh, one thing that was discovered, um, I think it was like 15 years after the incident happened, was the accelerated tree growth. Uh, the trees nearest where the, the craft had been uh, suddenly started producing wood fiber at a tremendously increased rate of growth. In order to test this, um, Mike, when he discovered it, he's the, this is the crew boss, uh, took a core sample out of the tree. Coincidentally, he just happened to take it on the side of the tree that was towards where the craft had been, just because that's the open side, and there was just more room to stand there, so he did that. But then when the forest fire came through and, and killed a bunch of trees, uh, it was uh, possible to cut the tree and get a complete cross-section. And so an additional effect was discovered that this rapid growth these thickened growth rings on these trees was exaggerated on the side of the tree towards where the craft had been and not as great on the side away from it. So there was some kind of a directional uh, effect of this radiation uh, coming from a central source. And um, Ben Hansen uh, uh, supervised the um, expedition out there to investigate this. And when we discovered that it was directional like that, uh, he went online and uh, discovered that this effect happened uh, uh, at the uh, uh, Chernobyl nuclear accident. Uh, the trees immediately around there, the ones that were uh, exposed to this high radiation, uh, experienced accelerated growth. Very interesting. Scientists went into it and uh, actually analyzed um, the, the biological mechanisms of, of what caused this accelerated growth because it's counterintuitive. You would expect radiation to just make plants get sick and die or something, but you could clearly see this tree, the tree rings uh, at six inches of diameter, it was 85 years old. And in the next 15 years, it doubled in diameter. So uh, you'd have to do a little complex geometry there. You know, the outer circumference of, the, uh, of a circle is much larger than the inner one. So in addition to being double in diameter, it was producing wood fiber calculated out to be something like 36 times the previous rate. And that's just based on the... Uh, um, idea that it um, that this was uniform that this core sample uh, represented the whole thing and then to find out that it was very directional that was very intriguing and more in support of that that there was a, a directional um, radiation source um, was um, the fact that the crewman that was sitting next to me when I got out of the truck um, I left the door open, so he was the most exposed of the of the group. 
and he uh, has uh, recently developed skin cancer on his right forearm. Uh, he, uh, had a short, a short, uh, yeah, the side facing the door, side facing the craft, and uh, uh, just one more thing, in addition to the uh, um, Geiger counter readings that were taken at the site by um, sheriff's uh, people that were uh, asked by the sheriff to come in and, uh, and check for radiation, and. Uh, discovered that um, the men's hard hats were uh, uh, registering uh, double the, the readings that they were getting from a radium dial watch. And... Uh, um, Did you experience any sort of like health effects, side I effects? I was very from- worried about there being negative health effects, but it turned out to be kind of the contrary. I was expecting some bad things to come up but over time, I didn't want to say anything about it until I could document it. It would just sound like some kind of a crazy claim. So when I could go in and get the print out from my employers, uh, I could prove that I never called in sick one time in 40 years. So, you know, um, skeptics would claim, well, that's just a coincidence that you happen to be fortunate health-wise, that's a possibility, but it's uh, interesting that it at least wasn't a bad health situation. Did you feel better after the incident? Oh, physically? Um, you know, it's great to be healthy, but of course it still didn't, I was still experiencing uh, emotional reactions to life, uh, uh, commensurate and appropriate to uh, what was happening, you know, if, uh, if happy things happened, I was happy. If uh, if sad things happened, I was sad. And but you didn't attribute any sort of, like, difference in your physical well-being or anything like that? Or do, or maybe even any PTSD afterwards? Oh, I definitely... Uh, well, see, they didn't have that term back then, but uh, it was definitely some deep uh, reactions uh, affecting my mind and my life and that was uh, profound and not just me but um, the other uh, six guys that were there damn dude yeah there's there was a lot of good stuff that he was willing to dive into in a pretty short amount of time there so if you need the whole story of the Travis Walton abduction, go back to episode 89 of the show. We uh, That's at part two of What If You Got Abducted by Aliens, and we talk about the entire Travis Walton case in that. Do you want to just do like a like a 30-second version of... He was working on a logging crew. Uh, they in were, like the Northwest, right? Yeah. They were finishing work for the day. It had just gotten dark. They were coming back down from their work site that was up in the mountain. Um, they stopped because they saw a weird light. They got closer. It turned out to be a UFO. They pulled over. Travis jumped out of the truck and ran towards the UFO, which shot a beam of blue light at him and knocked him on his ass. Yeah, blasted him in the chest. The other guys uh, assumed he was dead and got the fuck out of there. And then Travis showed up a week later naked on the side of a road. Many miles away. Yes. Um, he claims he spent that time inside of the ship that knocked him on his ass with the blue light. Yes. And no one has. And I don't know if I said, but it was 1975. Yeah. And, and he's, I mean, particularly interesting because he maintains his story to this day and continues to talk about it in ways that, man, he's pretty frank in that interview. He's just talking about like, yeah, man, like it was fucked up. It, It affected me. It affected everybody there. It affected us physically and like and also it's interesting that hunt for evidence that's like like you're you're trying to go i can tell you what happened to me but i can't prove to you what happened in the space right except if you can get geiger counter readings of the hard hats or you can get core samples of the trees that say there was an energy source here that potentially affected people or and and why should or how would a 22 year old i think he's 21 or 22 when this happened yeah why would a 22 year old kid who was working as a logger be able to explain what that thing was none of us would be able to explain what that is if something like that happened to us for sure we don't know what a 
if it was a spaceship, what the fuck a spaceship is or how it operates or where it came from or who was on it or how it, right. like, right. there would be no way to know any of that stuff anyway. For sure. So it would be impossible for, for him to give a full explanation because it's an unexplainable thing. Yeah, totally. He can describe what happened to him and maybe what he thinks it could have been or doing what it was doing or why right, or right. that stuff, but that's all going to be speculation all, right. all he can do is describe what happened to him right from and, his perspective and whatever evidence comes of the conversations yeah. that he can have with people who have looked into it since i i have i have a huge amount of respect for anyone who's willing to talk to i mean like you and poitras he had no idea know? who we were yeah yeah he has no idea who you are he doesn't have any idea how big our reach is he doesn't like you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know, but he's willing to just sit for a second and be like, here's what's going on. Yeah. He gave us like 15 minutes and just, I don't, I don't know. I, that was the best interaction I probably had with anyone there that, that weekend and didn't, didn't at all feel like he was trying to sell us, sell us on anything, any part of his story and right. also not trying to physically sell us something, which everyone most of else the speakers was. were. Yeah. 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 Um, he he I, was just. Telling his telling his experience, yeah, and I. It's one of those things where, like, I I am pretty convinced that he's convinced that that happened. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I don't think I will ever be able to fully take something that crazy as fact just based on one person's account. But I I didn't didn't get any sense at all from him of like bullshitting that's awesome that's cool yeah. i um yeah man i i just i think like there's this degree of he he doesn't know what he stands to gain from talking to i mean doesn't really stand to gain anything yeah, nothing from really talking to uh, i say us but you guys but us um and that to me makes it a lot cooler that he's just willing to like have that conversation i'm sure mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who would have something to gain who would be afraid of the types of questions they might get asked and wouldn't have that conversation with you all. I mean, many people, as far as we know, did turn down that possibility. So Fuck you, David Childress. <laughs> um, so it's cool that there are people out there who are, who are willing to both kind of stretch themselves or not even stretch themselves, but just, just willing to cross that barrier of, you know, yeah. Mentally like, yeah, I'm I'm willing to put myself out there, have that conversation. I don't stand anything to gain from it. You might ask me a hard question and I'll do my best to answer it. Yep. You know, I think there are a lot of people in this space who are willing to say a lot of unsubstantiated unsubstantiated shit. Absolutely. And when the screws get put to them, they're not willing to actually have that conversation, answer those questions. So they don't have these types of conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see the people who who are willing to. Um after that we Jumped into the last half or third of AJ Cavard. Uh, sorry, can I ask you one more question before we move to the next speaker? Sure. Did you learn anything else from Travis's session, or was there anything like about his presentation that was new or different or interesting to you related to that story specifically? I unfortunately didn't get to see it. Oh, got it. Okay. It happened Friday before we got there, so ah. we missed that. Got it. So the interview was the extent of your information yeah. from him. Hey. If you're going to get any information, let's make it firsthand. I did learn today, though, that that documentary that was released last year about his story. Yeah. And with the other guys who were there that day. Yep. Is now free on Amazon Prime. Hey, oh, what's it called? Let's tell the people. Um, Great question. Go ahead. Move on to the next speaker. <laughs> it's called Travis Walton something something. Next next speaker. I'll find it. AJ Gavard was talking about the Vargina alien encounter. Do you know this one? Nope. Okay. Well, we're going to do an episode on it soon. Sick. Uh, this is one. I don't, it came up. Maybe it was on the Patreon. We talked about it for a second recently. What's the name again? It's, I believe it's pronounced Vargina. It's V-A-R-G-H-I-N-A. Mm -mm. Nope. There were three brown, stinky aliens who showed up in Brazil. Brown, stinky aliens. Ran around causing havoc. One of them got hit by a car and taken to a hospital. What? And then a person who touched him died later. Fuck out of here. Let's go. Yeah, so we're going to do that one soon. <laughs> that sounds weird as balls. Let's uh -huh. do it. Yep. Um, uh, is it Travis, the true story of Travis Walton? I think so. Did it come out last year? Twenty. This is 2015. Oh, that ain't it then. 
Um, okay, there. Oh, we went to this. I'm gonna save this one for the Patreon. But they had these um, alien or not alien contactee like share your story things throughout the throughout all three days. Sure. And um, we attended one of those, and I think I'm gonna. I'll get into that on the Patreon. We'll stick to the the big guns here. Patreon.com slash what if podcast. Uh, then we checked out Mr. Terry Lovelace. Do you know this one? I have never heard of Terry Lovelace. We should maybe also do an episode on this feller. <laughs> this feller right here. He he's now, I think, probably in his sixties. Um, he saw UFOs as a kid a few times. And then he joined the Air Force in 1976 as a as a medic or an EMT, and he and his partner Toby decided to take a weekend and go camping in Devil's Den State Park, which is in Arkansas. Okay. Um, he brought up that there are also some interesting missing 411 type stories from that park. Oh. Do you remember? I think we talked about one of them on one of the missing 411 episodes that we did. But Catherine Van Alst, A L S T, that's an eight year old girl who went missing from a campsite. Uh, Politis describes it as she and her brothers were like chasing each other around a trailer and then she just disappeared, which oh, shockingly I... is unsubstantiated anywhere else. Oh, that entire story? No, 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 that part of it. Oh. Um, but it was this, little, this girl who went missing. Um, and showed up six days later by just walking out of a cave and saying, I'm here. I don't remember this one. Okay. Did we talk about this on on those episodes? Maybe I just read about it and we didn't talk about it on the show. Who knows? That was also like a year and a half ago. I know. And also, the more I think about it, the more it's like pretty crazy that we've done 200 episodes of this show and we've told so many stories. Sort of remember any of it sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this park is... Because Politis has the whole thing about the the devil in the details and the and places with devil in the name being more spooky and more weird shit happening. <sighs> Do you know about this? It's part of his quote unquote profile. His never ending, constantly expanding profile. I can't get enough air in my lungs to <laughs> sigh as loud and as long as I want to sigh right now. St- stop googling things because you you stop pressing buttons and. I- you I need just buttons to roast David Politis. I just found out that um, I think I think you just might be wrong on when it came out, and it is Travis the story of Travis Walden. Okay, cool. Like a couple years ago, great. Instead of last year. Anyway, there have been some odd disappearances in this park. Is the point? So they go there to camp for the weekend. They drive into the campsite, and they're looking for a like a ideally a, a high point to, at which to camp because Toby wants to look at the stars. And Terry wants to take wildlife photos. So they think a, a high vantage point would be good for both those things. Okay. And get behind that. They find a spot. They park the car. It's early in the afternoon. So they decide to go for a hike before setting up camp. To clarify, he is telling this story on stage. This is like part of his presentation. Correct. Got his it. presentation was telling his personal experience. Got it. Uh, so they go for a hike in the early afternoon. Partway through the hike, they see this overhang uh, and they decide like a rock overhang and some shade and they decide to sit down and take a rest and they both fall asleep with which terry went through a lot of work to explain to us how odd it was that they fell asleep seemed to me like you've been driving all day you probably got up early now you've been hiking it's cool you're in the shade doesn't seem that crazy to me that you would fall asleep he seemed to be implying like we got put to sleep yeah by an external force yeah got it they wake up Late afternoon, early evening, and they're in a bit of a panic because they need to get back to their campsite before it gets dark, um, and they're quite a ways from their campsite. So they hustle, they get back just as it's getting dark, and they quickly set up their camp uh, before they totally run out of light. They make a fire, they cook dinner, and as it's getting dark, Terry notices that the forest is totally silent. Ooh. And that the leaves on the trees around them are totally still. And he said, quote, like a hologram. Ooh. Toby, the other gentleman, then notices what he described as three stars along the horizon that he didn't recognize and that were very bright. And they both felt, or Terry at least, says he felt a sense of calm wash over him when he saw them. 
Hmm. They watch the three stars and they begin to rotate and move towards them. And at this point, they realize that it's actually one triangular object, which is black with a light on each of the each of the three corners. Huh. And this object starts to, quote, rotate and somersault, moving with intent towards them, uh, blocking out stars and stuff as it moves. And Terry described it as being, quote, very similar to the Phoenix Lights incident. Um, <clears throat> the object is now moving straight towards the two of them. But Terry said he didn't feel scared and felt, quote, almost sedated. The two of them sat silently as they watched this thing come towards them. Say, you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? That's actually what the Air Force assumed when they got back. hey Um He said that each side of this thing, this craft, was the length of a city block, which in most places is a tenth of a mile, and that it was about 50 feet tall. Quote, like someone levitated a five-story office building. Cool. Flying office buildings. Sick. Uh, and estimated it was hovering at about 3,000 feet above them. Put Quote, it on the list, by the way. Hovering office building? Flying office buildings. <laughs> he said, quote, we should have been terrified, but we weren't. At this point, a light comes out of the center of the craft, like a searchlight, and re- lands directly on top of their campfire followed by a blue laser light that is darting all over their campsite. So like little hit very quick millisecond hits of this blue laser light hitting different parts of their campsite and them. This is a fucking cool story. I fuck with this. <laughs> um, it hit both of them several times. And Terry said they both believe that they were scanning the two of them. Yeah. Taking some distance readings, yeah. material readings, temperature readings. This lasted for about three minutes. And when it stopped, Toby said, quote, show's over, and both guys climbed back into the tent fully clothed with their boots on and went to bed. That's that's one way to react to that incident. <laughs> Terry woke up confused, uh, and the tent, uh, he doesn't say how much later, but a while later, and the inside of the tent was lit up from the outside, so there was some extremely bright light shining on the tent, and then lighting up, like, brightly enough that the whole inside of it was illuminated. Yep. And there were also flashes of intense white light, he said, like a ballpark. Face your fears, son. And a hum like a low, powerful drone. Terry tries to sit up but realizes he's in intense pain and only gets up to his knees and then sees Toby looking out of the flap of the tent, like he has it kind of partially peeled back. Yeah. Just sobbing. Bro, this story is fucking crazy. What is going on? Uh, Terry looks out, so he, like... Knee crawls over to where he can see out of the flap that Toby has pulled back. And he sees the same craft that they saw earlier now hovering 30 feet directly above their tent. And he sees 15 little people running around in the field next to their campsite. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Hello! This is some Gulliver's travel shit, man. Toby, <laughs> Toby says to Terry, Terry, they took us and they hurt us. Oh, I was so scared. God damn. <laughs> that was a great combo, actually. I know it was unintentional, but that worked really nicely. It was an accident, but it worked. Goddamn heck is definitely <laughs> how I feel about they took us and they hurt us as a fucking sentence in any story. Terry said, I was so scared. I've never been more terrified in my life. Um, the people were short with large heads, and he said they walked funny. And they were running Shots around. fired. <laughs> they were running around in this field. And there was a light coming down, like the searchlight that they saw earlier, a light coming down from the middle of the triangular craft into the field. And the little guys were taking turns walking into this beam of light and then disappearing. Cool. So they were getting beamed back up, I think is the implication. Riding the slide. (laughs) Once all the little guys were gone, the light turned off and the craft lifted straight up silently like a hot air balloon, says Terry. The two guys sat in their tent for about 30 minutes just staring at each other, freaking the fuck out, before leaving the tent, all their supplies, everything they took with them, jumping back in their car and going directly the fuck back to the base at like 2 in the morning. Damn. Which was a seven-hour drive. They had driven seven hours each way to get there. So they had just made that drive, slept for, well slept or got abducted for a couple hours 
and then made the seven-hour drive straight back overnight. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yep. Uh, when they got back to the base, they were both immediately hospitalized because they were badly burned all over the bodies. What? Including areas that had been covered. So he said, like, bottom of the feet, his scalp underneath his hair, areas that were, like, constantly covered where you couldn't possibly get a sunburn. Um, also, they hadn't been out during the day. Um, and that they were both severely dehydrated. And Terry had, his eyes were swollen and super sensitive to light for several days afterwards. Like he couldn't be in a, in a room with bright lights or outdoors during the day. But he wasn't the one looking out the flap though. Uh, no, not initially, but I think the implication here is that they were both taken by whatever this thing was. Right. Um, Terry spent three days in the hospital and during those three days, two OSI agents, which I think is office of special investigations or something like that. It's like, Air Force cops yep. show up and they give him some forms to sign, uh, which Terry said, I wasn't able to read because my eyes were fucked up. <laughs> so I signed some forms that I didn't read. Yep. And they were very concerned that Terry had taken photos of whatever they had seen. So they asked Ooh. him a lot of questions about where is your camera? What'd you do with that film, etc." Interesting. Terry claims he did not take any photos and actually forgot his camera at home before they left. So he did not even have a camera with him. Bummer. Um, he was released after three days and was given a large quantity of unmarked pills and told to take them three times a day. Oh. Yeah. God damn. You all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs, did you? I like just adding goddamn to whatever other sound effects you play for this story. I do too. It works. I do too. I think that one was also unintentional, but it also worked. It also was, yes. Uh, after three days, Terry thought that they were, quote, making him dumb, and so he stopped taking them. Uh-huh. However, he conveniently did not keep any of these weird, unmarked, memory-erasing pills. What uh, what branch of the Army was he? Or, Air Force. Oh, the military was he in again? Okay. Um, all right. Toby, the other dude, was reassigned to Japan immediately, and Terry was reassigned to stupid, menial tasks around the base, like sanding down boards, painting them, and then re-sanding them and painting them again. So he thought they were just fucking with him until they could get rid of him. What? Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually, the military decides to question Terry under hypnosis about these events. Oh, also, he worked at a nuclear facility. So if that makes any more or less sense to you. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on here that I'm having a hard time processing the completeness of. Right. Me too. Um... They question him under hypnosis about what he saw, and he, under hypnosis, recalls seeing, quote, star people who took him inside their ship. The inside of the ship was like a giant warehouse, he said, at least 10 times bigger than it appeared from the outside. Oh. Which was already a five-story flying office building. Sure now was. we have a 50-story interior office building. Sure setting. do. He said he saw three other flying saucers inside of the ship, a bunch of little gray guys, a taller alien who seemed to be in charge and communicated with him telepathically, and also 50 humans who were naked, holding their clothes in their hands, frozen, and scream crying. Oh, boy! (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. 50 naked people silently scream crying. But frozen? Frozen in a scream cry? Not like cold, unable to move. So they were frozen in a scream cry. Yes. That's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Uh, he said he also remembered being on a table in an all-white room with an insect creature who had a square head and long arms holding stainless steel instruments. And those it was using those stainless steel instruments to mess with his chest and back, which he said was very painful. Terry yelled at one point, and the alien told him to shut up and knocked him out by tapping him on the forehead. <laughs> He said he also saw seven humans on the ship who were wearing some type of military uniform. Oh, okay. Mm, we got a collaborative effort here. Holy, collaborative holy effort indeed. Fuck, are we really at 50 minutes? We are at 50 Jesus. minutes. Jesus. Okay, I'll try and speed it up. Um, 2012, he found an implant in his leg. 2016, he woke up in the middle of the night and burned all of his journals about the incident. What? And, and deleted the book he was re- writing off of his computer. What? Uh... 
One night he woke up in his living room, unsure how he got there, and there's a four-foot-tall alien-human hybrid woman there wearing sunglasses and a wig. What? Who told him that if he keeps writing shit about the aliens, they're going to take his implants back. Uh, take his implants back? Yep. And then a couple days later, he woke up with two holes in his leg, and he was missing his implants, which conveniently he claimed to have x-rays of before and after and didn't show us. Yeah. And when Poitras yelled, show us your legs, he didn't do it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 no. Okay, that's the end of Terry's story. Uh, we should maybe talk about it on the show later. Um, I mean, I feel like we did a we did a very solid cliff notes of that. I feel like there's a lot, I of, a lot of stuff we could 3, dive into. Three thousand yeah. questions yeah. about yeah, that yeah. entire story. Okay, um, maybe let's do one more here. And then I guess we'll have to save the rest for either the Patreon or if we do another episode about this stuff. Or both. I'll let you choose. Do you want Giorgio Salukalos and his Q&A session? Uh-oh. Do you want Preston Dennett and the healing power of UFOs? Or do you want David Wilcock and the who the fuck knows? Oh, boy. This is a tough choice. This is a tough choice. I feel like we just went from who the fuck knows to like a pretty concrete but pretty wild story. Mm-hmm. How do we want to go out? Do we oh, want to also, go out with some who the fuck knows? Do we want to go out with... Or last option, the first hour of Daryl Sims' Alien Hunter that I was able to stomach. <laughs> Daryl Sims' Alien Hunter. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you should curate based on what you feel like is a good mix for this and a good mix for what's going to be on either the Patreon or part two or both. Okay. We'll do... Because I want to... I'm like, yes, all of this I need some version of. Um, all right. Let's do this. Let's do Daryl Sims' Alien Hunter. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. All right. Okay. Daryl Sims... Is a man probably in his 60s who dresses like The Undertaker if The Undertaker were from Texas. Now, de- <laughs> like the wrestler, not the, the profession. Not the profession. Uh, does Daryl Sims' alien hunter borrow personality traits or fashion uh, tips from Dog the Bounty Hunter? In I'm any not capacity. that familiar with Dog the Bounty Hunter, so it's hard to say. Okay, okay. Maybe if you can... Uh, a lot I'll, of leather, a lot of sunglasses. Yes, lot yes. A uh, lot of, like, bleached hair and mullets. Ooh, he had dyed too dark for his age hair. Got it. No, yeah. No mullet? He's wearing a cowboy hat, hard to say. Strong. Strong <laughs> move if you're going to hunt aliens. The entire, you gotta... Oh, Jesus. The entire weekend he was wearing a, a cowboy hat, so I couldn't tell. Oh, buddy. This was the gentleman who we briefly heard the audio that you may not have been able to understand where he's talking about the alien in the backseat of the car. Oh, boy. That's this guy. Heck! He opens by telling us about himself. First of all, he comes out to a uh, his own walk-up music. And he comes out, and he immediately gives us a, Hell yeah! That's what I'm talking about! Let's get into it! Whoa. Yes. Whoa. At which point I was the most on board with anything I'd been on board for all weekend. Hell yeah. <laughs> literally. Literally. Let's fucking ride, people. <laughs> we got some fucking aliens to hunt. Let's go. What's this guy's name again? Daryl Sims. Daryl Sims. D-E-R-R-E-L. Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um... He owns tigers is one of the first things he taught taught us about himself. I was born. I don't know. He showed us. He at least showed us a picture of a tiger. Oh sure, yeah. But you couldn't get one of those literally anywhere on the internet. <laughs> um, he also refers to himself as the Indiana Jones of. Oh no! Which at least four people throughout the weekend did call themselves the Indiana Jones of something. Of something. It's a theme with these like middle-aged white men who go talk about shit they don't know anything about at these conferences. It's almost like they grew up on a movie series that made them want to be a thing they're totally not. Like Giorgio spent a lot of time in his Q&A talking about Indiana Jones and no one asked a question about Indiana Jones. Really? David Childress has a poster describing himself as the Indiana Jones of something. 
This is maybe the saddest fact you have communicated about this entire event, is that multiple different people see themselves. I tell you what, there was a lot of sadness at this event. (laughs) Much more than I was expecting going in. Okay, okay. He was abducted a couple times as a child, and he has an alien implant. Mm. Now he specializes in helping other people with alien implants. Basically, he's saying, we got to fight back against these alien motherfuckers sticking their implants in us. I. He said he wanted to become the hunter instead of the hunted in his in his bio. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, um, sounds like a pretty badass thing to say, bud. My next line is he has a traffic photo of an alien, but we covered that. Then he started. Boy, did we ever? Then he started telling us about the various quote flavors of aliens and their associated IQs. God damn! <laughs> flavors of aliens list. Put, yeah. Put it on the? Put it on the list. Um, Grays are the stupidest with an IQ of about 80. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so he started Bro, with- can all the Grays talk like Charles Barkley, please? Please! Oh. He started by saying- I'm a dumbass. Uh, he, was, he was revealing these one at a time in this- Come get on my ship. I mean, I'm a dumbass. I, I, I was high, but I felt about 300% more high. Sure. After I started watching his PowerPoint presentation, which was clearly made on PowerPoint one mm. and every slide had copyright 2004 on the bottom. <laughs> oh, yes. Daryl Dar- be doing the same presentation from 15 years ago. 2004. Um, so he comes out and says, Grace, I have an IQ of 80. And I was like, is he going to tell us that that's high or low? Right. Which, he might be like, so they should be all of our overlords today. And you're like, well, Daryl. <laughs> so the, the Greys have an IQ of about 80. The Praying Mantis flavors of Alien have an IQ of about 180. So they're running shit. Bad Blamit boys. The Browns, which are like Greys but tall. The, the Browns is a new one They're for like Greys but taller, which implies that they're still gray. Fuck with me, I'm grown now. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. No, that's, I'm, that was a God damn it. You might be better at this than I am. Uh, Maybe that's what they grow up into. But he didn't say they were brown. He just said they were grays but taller, but they're called the browns. Well, that doesn't make any sense unless they're from <laughs> Cleveland and they have orange helmets. Um, then there are also the Nordics, which he didn't tell us how smart they were, and then Bigfoot. Whoa! <laughs> Bigfoot is a flavor of alien. Daryl. <laughs> You be acting crazy, <laughs> Daryl. Is a flavor of alien, Daryl. <laughs> but we don't know how smart or dumb he is, Daryl. <laughs> Daryl. He then, Daryl, take your cowboy hat off. So it's time to go this, to bed. This is the order of his presentation so far, by the way. Phenomenal. Oh, he also taught us about how he used to be a bounty hunter. Boy, I'd never would have guessed. And then showed us a photo that was labeled the last guy I bounty hunted. Uh, this this showed up on our Instagram yeah, at yeah. What If Pod. Oh, I made all of those a highlight if you want to go look at all the dumb shit. It appeared to be uh, some sort of bald, mustachioed human being with the yes. M16 mm-hmm. and like a white tank top. Shout out to uh, Kelly, aka Pizza Lawyer, for helping document some of these things also. Thank we, you. We met up with some listeners and they were really tight and made the whole weekend much more uh, palatable. Fuck yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um okay, Daryl then claimed to have video of a 500 mile wide UFO which conveniently was not part of his presentation. Hey Daryl, could you let me know what um camera lens you used <laughs> to take in or, something or how far away it was when you photographed 500 it? 500 miles wide? Mm-hmm. That would help. Um okay, quote I wrote down one direct quote from Daryl Sims. Was the 500-mile-wide UFO in the backseat of a car? Don't know. Didn't see a picture. He just skated. He said it and then just moved right the fuck on. The which traffic was a, cam got which it. Which was a theme of the entire weekend. Say wild shit. Don't document it. Keep moving. Heck! Um, quote, you might say, well, Daryl, that doesn't make sense. And I'd say it does if you're an alien. Did you ever think maybe this guy's bullshitting you? <laughs> It's like, you might be at the point where you realize that my presentation doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. Well, you know what? It's not for you. It's for the aliens. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm presenting to them. Uh, Then he told us, if you hold an alien baby, your arm will glow purple. Oh. And then he seemed very, very concerned about specific, uh, one specific type of alien implant, which is a scrotal implant. 
Okay. In which you... Oh, dang. (laughs) You get an extra ball, courtesy of the aliens. I'm getting dicking on this one. (laughs) I'm upset. I'm upset. He said something about bull sperm. And then bull I got sperm. And then I got distracted by the copyright 2004 on the bottom of every slide. And then I left. Now, also he he had a few um He's not a fan of of women. Oh, great. Not a big fan of uh the the non-whites. Oh, great. Mhm. Did and, he make that clear? Well, Oh, also <laughs> you gotta you gotta clarify what you mean by well. Um he would say things like he made some statement about being able to tell someone's race over the phone. Yeah. That's um, not a good start. And then he said something about he was talking to a woman and she was like talking back to him or something. And, and he, I was like, I'll bounty hunt you. Don't talk back to me, and, woman. And he said, honey, I'm not your husband. I get to boss you around. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece <laughs> of garbage. And then, and then he was talking. This guy sounds terrible. Yeah, we had an interview set up with him, that which we did not show up for. Um, okay, but that is a situation where I feel like, I feel like. You got to take one for the team, and you got to go interview that guy okay. and make and make him have an awkward day. One last thing about Daryl, and then I will respond to that because okay. Poitras was making the same argument that you were. Shout out to you. Um, and I backed out of two such opportunities. Ooh. He also showed an illustration of a person with three like purple uh, fingerprints on their on their leg. Okay. And claimed that this was an illustration of someone that he had worked with. Oh. And this and this person was like, Daryl, what, what does it mean? Was I abducted? Sure, illustrations. You know, those things that are used as documentary evidence in... Right, right. Um, and he told this person that the three fingerprints on their leg meant that they were... 30 years from now going to have a sex change. You got the you got the Barkley button? I you got I it. was I was literally speechless, but I'll let Charles Barkley <laughs> speak dumbass. for me. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a dumb I'm a dumbass. So we I'm 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 a dumbass. <laughs> we left. Yeah, um, that's the move. So we had an interview lined up with that dude which we both mostly agreed not to go to. We also had a, a an interview lined up with this Michael Telling Tellinger guy. Nothing. Got nothing. Um, strong neo Nazi vibes. Uh oh. And Poitras really wanted to go the let's have this let's see if we can make this guy have a bad day angle. When you say okay, we gotta we gotta be. <laughs> he what? had a, he had a speech about aliens. Yes. In which he took time out to defend Hitler. Ooh. Ooh. That's not the one. No. That's not the one. My stance was, let's not give this dude any airtime anywhere. Sure. Slash, I also don't want to have a conversation with this person. Sure. So we didn't do it. And Poitras' take was, we should have a conversation with this person who believes terrible things so that we can call them out on their terrible things Correct. and then make them look like an idiot for thinking and believing and preaching terrible things. Correct. Which I kind of fuck with. But I was also not there, and I also know how difficult having those conversations are and can be. I just don't know how we win in that situation. Um. Yeah. And I don't want to give that dude any platform to potentially reach anyone. And be more. He does a plenty good job of convincing people by himself that he's a dumbass. I don't Hey-o. think he needs our help. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's one of those things where there's a super fine line between showcasing someone and their ideas living beyond what you've showcased and showcasing someone as evidence of how invalid their thoughts and feelings and opinions are. And and you there know, definitely is. I'm just not sure uh, 
I'm pretty sure I'm not interested in either of those. Sure. Sure. I'm like, definitely not interested in the first. Sure. I think the second one potentially does as much harm as it does good. That's fair. I mean, there's there is on um unpredictable collateral damage from letting those ideas go out into the world. Yeah. All right. That's the other shit I have left is large and will not take. Yeah. We're already over an hour. Yeah. All right. Well, I here's we what we're going to do up there. We're going to do a couple of things. Uh, we're going to tell you to go to patreoncom slash what if podcast for five bucks a month. You get four extra episodes every single month. Plus there's a back catalog of an additional 70 episodes of the show in there. And there's a bunch of different bonus content. Uh, we post random links to soundboard shit. We that full Travis Walton interview is in there right now. Put full interviews up from events we go to over there. There's a ton of shit in there that's that's uh, far beyond just the episode. So go check that out if you want to hear more. Um, we'll see what we get through in the Patreon this week. Maybe we do a Patreon, or excuse me, maybe do a uh, part two of Contact in the Desert next week. Um, outside of that. That's all I got. Leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. Send us an email at hi at whatifpodcast.com or at whatifpod everywhere you go. Leave us a iTunes review if you want to. Those are nice. We love you. Bye. <laughs>